Hello everyone, this is Tony Skaggs, your host of Tapa Talks. Today I'm very happy to be speaking with Eva Montez, the current chair of the Tapa Political Action Committee. Eva is a true Texan, practicing medicine in our great state for over 20 years. Her healthcare interests include endocrinology and family medicine. Regarding the latter, she currently is seeing patients in a family medicine clinic in Austin. Also for the last 20 years, she's been extremely active with Tapa, filling multiple roles within our statewide organization. I look forward to her telling you all about that. Thank you for joining us today, Eva. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Just had a busy day at the clinic and ready to wind down a bit. So can you tell me a little bit about your uh, PA background? Sure. I have been a PA for 20 years. I went to UNT in Fort Worth. At that time, it was called TCOM. They hadn't joined with the University of North Texas yet. I graduated in 2003 and have been in family medicine or in endocrinology for those 20 years. So I've kind of rotated back and forth. Now I am in family medicine and do a lot of endocrine in that family medicine as well. But yeah, that's, that's what I've done. And, you know, as far as TAPA, I've, I've been involved ever since I was a student. I remember being involved with the student activities and making sure people joined TAPA and, and it just kind of got the leadership bug and I've stayed involved ever since. Yeah, we were talking about that before that, that you've had a lot of different positions and, and roles within TAPA. What kind of positions have you had? What kind of service have you done? Sure. I uh, started out doing committee work. You know, I think people always want to know what they can do and they always think big, big things. And then you just do committee work. I started out just helping up committees, helping CME committee, helping a student committee, you know, helping those things. And I worked my way up to the board, to the actual running for the board. and was director at large for a couple terms, which averaged about four years of that. And then went ahead and ran for president after that and was elected president. And then because of some changes in leadership, the vice president position was open and I Went ahead and filled that. Uh, it was got an empty slot that I filled in, which I was glad to do. And now I'm back chair. So I've kind of been all around. So president, then vice president? <laughs> right. I know. It seems like a demotion, but it wasn't. <laughs> it, there's no hierarchy in our in our board, right? We're all at work. Yes, I went ahead and filled those shoes as well. So. <laughs> and so now you're part of the TAPA pack. Can you uh, tell us exactly what that is? And I know you said there's some unique components of the pack. Sure. Yeah, the TAPA PAC stands for the TAPA Political Action Committee. There are a lot of members of TAPA that actually don't know that we have a political action committee. And the word political can sometimes be a little contentious for people, but it really is the way and the mechanism that TAPA members can donate so that the TAPA PAC then can communicate uh, and educate legislators about PA laws and PA scope of practice and what we're trying to do as PAs in Texas specifically what TAPA stands for as an organization, as a membership organization. And so it's a really important avenue to get a seat at the table when it comes to regulatory things, laws, and getting the representatives educated about what it is we're trying to do for patient and, and access to care and, and those kind of things. So it's a pretty important conduit, but it is separate from TAPA. You know, as a member of TAPA, you're not automatically obligated to donate to the PAC, but it is separate but connected in a way because our goal is to serve at the will of, of the TAPA board in a way that means philosophy and how we go about what laws we want to ask for and what we want to do. So on the last episode, we had Monica and Katie, the chair and vice chair of the Legislative Affairs Committee on the podcast. Uh, how is the uh, Political Action Committee similar and how is it different from the Legislative Affairs Committee? Mm -hmm. So, and I have trustees. So, you know, the PAC, we actually have trustees that the president, actually TAPA president, appoints trustees to the PAC. 
so in that way, it does follow the vision of the president to see, well, who, who would I want as a trustee? And it's usually people who have served before, and sometimes it's new people. And the way we connect with LAC, the Legislative Affairs Committee, is to help them, again, with, with their message. So for example, if they have a law like this session, PAs want to be able to write Schedule Two drugs. The PAC can then go when they meet with these legislators, because we meet with them often when we have a check to give them. They give us a lot of time because we have an important thing to give them. And then we can say, uh, you know, our Legislative Affairs Committee voted for these important things, and these are the principles or these are the legislative ideas that we want to advance this session or next session. And so it helps us to have that same line of communication with the legislators to say that they voted. But a trustee, for example, like let's say one of my trustees is on the Legislative Affairs Committee. They actually can't vote for the legislation. You know, they can't really vote for the agenda. They can listen and they can certainly give input, but they don't actually have a vote because, again, that's separate, right? That's a separate thing. The Legislative Affairs Committee, their job is to figure out what what is important to TAPA members and then to bring it to the board to get approved as far as what are the bills that we're going to try and get passed each session. I see. But this is a crazy time for PAs in Texas. And, you know, that came through in the last podcast, but I would love it if you took a moment to kind of speak to that. You know, what kind of issues are really important right now for PAs? For sure. There have been sessions in the past where we feel like we could sort of run with some new things or trying to advance new scope, you know, not scope, but new things about autonomy, like you know, saying like, for example, I see patients with concussions all the time and I can't sign the concussion form to get them back to go back and play, you know, and things like that to go, well, this doesn't make sense. And it seems like, you know, that would be a, a no-brainer, uh, no, no pun intended. But, you know, this session is kind of defense. You know, I feel like we certainly have our goals that, that we want to advance and, and again, things about autonomy and things that make sense about scope and patient access. But we're actually on the defense because there have been more proposed bills this session that are actually attacking PAs or attacking our scope or what we already have been practicing in safely for many, many years and trying to go backwards, adding chart review things again, taking away the amount of physician assistance that a doctor can supervise, uh, you know, taking that number from seven down to five, adding mileage restrictions now that a doctor has to be within 75 miles of the PA practicing in it. And that, that's including NPs as well, but you know, it's it's actually moving backwards. Those laws have already been changed and you know, we have those laws in current regulation now. So I feel like this session more than ever is going after the perceived scope creep, like they like to call it, uh, they being the TMA, Texas Medical Association, who in the past we've actually had really good conversations with and really good meetings about our agenda and making sure they were aware and there were no surprises and trying to get their support and. Even if we didn't, we would move forward with the knowledge that everything TAPA asks for has the foundation of patient access, increasing patient access to care, and common sense laws, modernized laws that help PAs do what we are already trained to do. So it gets lost in translation sometimes in this session, and I don't think it's going to stop, unfortunately, that the nurse practitioner slash PA titles get attacked, and PAs kind of sometimes get lumped into a place where we probably shouldn't be or don't need to be, and that includes like independent practice, for example. Nurse practitioners have gone for independent practice many, many, many sessions, and it has not passed. TAPA has actually never asked for that. You know, TAPA PAs are asking for independent. We're asking for modern autonomous practice, but we get lumped into that conversation a lot. And so then the laws that are proposed add PAs to the mix. And because of that perceived scope creep situation, which is not really happening. 
I guess my question, and this is an honest question, why why this pressure? Why is there this pivot, do you think? And I know that's a loaded question. It's hard to say. It's hard to really define it. It's really, it baffles my mind. I, I've, I've had the same supervising doc for 13 years, you know, and, and she can't understand it either. I mean, you know, she's a doc, you know, and, and it may be a small, like loud group. It may be, but the, nevertheless, they're getting attention. There's certainly a group that is against this sort of expanding scope of what they call mid-level providers, which I really despise that term. But I don't know. I don't know where it came from. You would think with COVID, I mean, everything we dealt with with COVID, we understood and knew how people came together and really helped everybody on the team. And you would think it would have gotten better. And it seems to have gotten worse. And there's these turf wars or these things that, you know, I, I don't understand it. And and as a PA, it, it's, it is disheartening because I understand my place as a PA. I understand what that means to be a PA. I don't need to be anyone else but a PA. And I, I understand the relationship I have with my with the doc and respect that. But she respects me as well because of, she knows the quality of care. And so I think it gets, like I said, it gets, uh, it gets a lot of fear. There's a lot of talk about overprescribing and patient safety and these things, which again, in the real law and the real world, we haven't had an issue with that. PAs have not have ever had an issue. So it's baffling for sure. And, and I don't I don't have the answer. But what I do know is that to combat that, to protect that, to protect our livelihood, literally the way we practice and live, we have to have support uh, in the pack. We have to have more type of members. We have 11,000 PAs in Texas and our membership is about 3,000. And that's just dismal. And the pack donations are even you know less than that, right? When you look at PACs, political action committees and you look at the nursing political action, you look at the doctors, whatever. I mean, the way the donations there are, are insane. I mean, they're really a lot of money. And when you look at TAPA, it's just really way down. You mentioned that occasionally individuals will have some concern about how the PAC is proceeding or whether they're using their influence. Can you kind of explain that to me or, or what, what that's all about? Absolutely. Yeah, TAPA as an organization is, is nonpartisan and so is the PAC. It's a nonpartisan group. And what that means is, is we, we don't really favor one party over the other. What we really favor are legislators who have been friendly to PAs in the past, pro-PA legislation, modernizing those kind of things. And when we find that, we want to support that. The other way that we make decisions is by our lobby team. Our lobby team is very, very experienced in the legislature and they know these folks and they offer advice about who it would be good to donate to and why. And it's either on the committee, they serve on an important public health committee, or they serve on a calendars committee. Calendars committees are the way you get your bill into the mix. Maybe it's the lieutenant governor position. A lot of people don't understand and know that the lieutenant governor position controls what the Senate hears. He controls, or she, or whoever it is that's elected in that lieutenant governor position, controls the Senate. And so by default, we have to get in the room. You know, I was able to have a you know 45 minute conversation with the Lieutenant Governor about PAs and about what's, what's important. His daughter's a nurse and he understands that, but really specifically about PAs and what we're trying to do. And, and you know, he, he, he was a great listener, but I think it's important to get, be in the room, you know, and whether that translates to us getting on the calendar of the Senate when we get on that side for any of our bills, I don't know, but it certainly is not going to hurt, I think, you know, and so I think that's where people get a little bit confused and um, maybe, you know, a little upset about why did you give this candidate money? Why did you give this person money? And because of whatever their stances are, and really our concern is, you know, are they going to be favorable to help us increase patient access to care? 
Are they going to be helpful in helping us increase PA education dollars? Anything that we'll do with advancing PA education, PA practice, common sense, autonomous laws, PA access to care for patients, that's who we want to donate for, or if they're powerful in, in the legislature. I think you made an interesting point also about nurses and doctors, MDs, DOs, whatnot, how they devote so much effort to their, their political action committees, their ability to lobby. Not only that, though, both doctors and nurses, historically, they just have such a, a robust history compared to our history. Right. Also, I see this amongst, you know, because I work a lot with students, and I see this, uh, you know, students want to graduate, they want to put their heads down, they want to get into practice. They don't think about what's influencing them, what's impacting them, what's affecting them outside yeah. their day-to-day -day job. I don't know if that's just a trait of PAs. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's so. tough. It's tough to to know. And I, I have a lot of nurse friends, and I have some nurse practitioner friends. And sure, what I do know is it is ingrained in them from day one of their education that they will join every nurse association that they will donate to the pack from now until the end of their life. I mean, because it's like a hey, they're out to get us mentality. We're not going to let them, and we need to do this. And so I think PAs most of the time they do put their head down, right? How many times have you heard that where we're just the worker bees, we're the stem cells, we do it, we just keep going to our job. And the truth is, is that now more than ever, your job can be in jeopardy because of many reasons. But most importantly, you know, the laws that are made uh, really do affect. And I think the average PA, unfortunately, doesn't understand that or know that, or maybe some don't care. But I think if we've told them like, hey, these are the things that they're trying to take away, you know, I think it might get their attention. And, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, I don't want to be feared doom and gloom, but I think it's reality. I mean, we've seen it as such more than ever. And so for me, for somebody who has been active for so many years and so involved, it is hard for me to understand, you know, how somebody couldn't just, you know, go, well, just, okay, donate if you don't have time. I get it. People are busy. I mean, we're all busy, but at least donate your, your you know, some money, I guess, you know, to the, the cause or join the organization that is fighting for you every day so that we, our livelihood will stay alive, you know? And I'm kind of circling around here to some other items, because you just got, you just were talking about nurses and you mentioned the difference between independence and autonomy. And I thought that was an interesting differentiation. I, you know, sorry, I know that we were kind of moved past that, but because I think there is a lot of people that kind of put those two things together. But then also you mentioned autonomy is just the ability to do things like, you know, sign a, a piece of paper, like a custom protocol, or maybe a handicap sticker or whatever, you know. Yeah. I think that's a uh, was an excellent point, you know. So sure, I, I think it, it has to be kind of honed in, and that, and even some of the the students, uh, you know, I've worked with students. Why don't we want to be independent? And why definitely, you know? And I said, well, mm. you know, and I said, well, you don't have to be careful what you wish for, right? Because you know, it, it's a team sport, and PAs are the best team players. And I think yeah. then again, that gets sometimes taken advantage of by some providers, and then I think other times it's it's an asset, but. You know, I always tell folks all the time, I'm like, look, you know, you, you need to do your job and you need to do it well and, and that'll show itself and your reputation and everything. And and so if you can be autonomous and do your job, then do you really need independence, you know? And, right. and um, you know, I don't know the right answer to that, but I think as a PA, you know, like I said, for so many years I've been doing it and we talk about the name and we talk about this and that and what we call ourselves. And it's like, you know, I, uh, you know, I just want to, to be able to help patients really, I mean, really at the core of it to, to access to care and then continue to love what I do, but to be able to be and do what I do without these regulations and restrictions that are so sometimes antiquated, really, and kind of yeah. ridiculous, you know? Yeah, we're definitely on the same page. I mean, uh, I like the idea of autonomy, but still within that, within that relationship with, with the doctor. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I always tell 
my students that, you know, I like you go into a room to see a patient and they call you doctor and it's like, you know, I'm not a doctor because I don't have delusions of grandeur. I know, you know, I know what education they had and I know what education I had, but there are things that I feel that I can do as, you know, you and I are very similar. I practiced for 20 years and the relationship I've had with my doctors is very peer oriented, but I'm not looking for expanded freedom, so to speak, I guess, but yeah. Well, and I think people get confused, too, about the laws, and and just because they enact a law, for example, Schedule 2, doesn't mean your doc wants you to have that scope, and it doesn't mean that you want to have that scope. Some PAs don't want to write Schedule 2, so they don't want anything to do with it. So I think that's where it gets confused, too, and the communication is important to the legislator to say, just because we have it, it's really important to let the doc and the PA decide at the practice site, right? Because they know each other, the doc knows, that the doc trusts the PA, vice versa, they know, you know, where they are uh, in terms of clinical practice and scope. And, and I think it's important for them to decide, not some arbitrary law. Yeah. It's so rigid, right? And I think it, 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 the trust, though, has to be there. And I think, like I said, we hear some of this fear and we hear some of these testimony. This session has been really false and really not accurate at all, but it gets, it gets a lot of attention. And, you know, then you have to go back and kind of play. And that's what we do, too, right? That the pack and we go back and we clean up. And to play cleanup, you know, again, this is a volunteer organization, right? I work full time and I do this, you know, volunteer. We all are volunteers. And I think, you know, that's the other thing to decide to go, well, we need help, right? We need help not only in manpower or woman power, but in money power, you know, and support because it does take, it takes a lot. It takes a lot for executive director, our lobby team, and, and, you know, we pay all of them too. And so as a membership organization, that's how we do it. And we're okay. We're doing fine. But, you know, we would love to do it better. <laughs> Yeah. And you've already mentioned a few ways people can get involved past being able to donate. Can you kind of list out a few other things if they want to be part of the pack or help the pack? Yeah. So we're about to get into the end of a, a leadership year. So TAPA's leadership year start July 1st and they go to, you know, into June. You know, anybody that wants to get involved in a committee, anybody that wants to get up to be a pack trustee, anybody that wants to be on the pack committee, we have trustees and then we have a committee they can apply. They can apply. They can contact me. They can contact the, the president-elect, it's Janet Mills. You know, they can contact the executive director. I mean, anybody that they say, hey, I want to get involved. Like I said, it can be a little bit of time in a small project. It can be, you know, all the whole year and serving on the actual committee doing big projects. So there's lots of room to connect and lots of room to get involved, especially students tell me all the time, I'm a poor student. And I said, I've been there. I've, I've been there for sure. You know, but if you have some time to give, we'll, we'll take your, your time too. You know, we'll help and it's fun to go to the Capitol. You know, I think people have never been there. It's fun. It's really fun to go. And, and, you know, you get that kind of bug to see like how it's done. And, you know, we're always looking for people to go. I live in Austin, right? So during session and off session, going to the Capitol, talking to the, the folks in your own area, talking to your representative when the legislation's not and the, when the session's not in. So there's tons of ways to get involved. We have a grassroots, you know, I'm sure Monica and Katie talked about the grassroots advocacy network. We have that uh, on the website, the QR code to get involved grassroots. Now more than ever, there's tons of ways to get involved. So yeah, you just, just got to reach out and we'll put you in a place for sure. Mm. Again, I, we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast, but this is my first time going to the Hill and yeah, it was great. It was amazing. If anybody's listening right now, it was, it depends on you know, what filter you're looking at it through, but it was packed that day. It was, and uh, I did get a chance to meet some of my legislative folks from San Antonio. If you really want to make a difference in your profession, that's the way you do it. That's one of the big ways you can do it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. but uh, it's a lot of fun and, and they want to hear from you. I mean, you, you, you know, if you're a constituent, I mean, that, that holds a lot of power. I mean, you, you know, you vote for them. They really do care. They really want to hear from you. And, and in fact, 
sometimes they don't know what a PA is. They really don't know. It's not because they're uneducated. They're very educated. They're just educated in what, what they know. And and so they need content experts. We are the content experts. If anybody was asking, ask me, I'm a PA. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to tell you. And and they want to know. You know, the staff is, is so nice and you know, the legislators, we can get to meet with them and, and they, they do want to meet with you, you know? So it's really intimidating for some people to make, but it's just, they're just people just like you and me and they want to make a difference. They want to help their constituents. That's why they're in office, you know? And that's exactly why I do what I do, right? I mean, I, I, I want to help PAs, you know, I love, I love the profession. It's given back to me way more than I've given to it. Every day I, I know that, you know, and I see students and people, you know, that I've helped and mentor and it's great. But again, you know, there are people who aren't kumbaya with us and they want to attack our profession. And so we just have to be alert and aware and be ready to kind of band together and support each other. And, and you mentioned the educating them, that that education can kind of works both ways too, because I think a lot of our people in our profession, a lot of PAs don't really know what's going on at that level and to go to the Hill or discuss those bills, just really, it's almost addicting. You know, you, you get to learn about how you are how your profession works at that level, you know, what kinds of things threaten your profession. It really gets you motivated to, to keep doing it, I think. I agree. Yeah. And I, I'm hoping to just keep that fire burning people and, and you know, helping them understand how, how important it is. You, you know, you work hard for this education. You know, it's something like you, you burned it, burned it, and you work hard, you're highly trained, and, and you're going to do a, make a lot of good and make a difference. And it's important to protect. It's worth protecting. You know, and I, you know, I think people... You know, I don't see it that way, but I'm like, it's it's very, very valuable, you know, and, and nobody's going to protect it uh, if you don't. And you mentioned like uh, grassroots opportunities. Again, before we talked, you mentioned people actually doing fundraisers and so forth, not at the TAP events, but elsewhere. How would they go about doing something like that? They could contact me through, you know, through TAPA. I think I'm on the website through the trustees and uh, we would just basically help them do that. I mean, it's it's things too that we we do have some leeway and funding to help that too because some people are like, well, what am I going to have to do? Am I going to have to put in my own money, you know, to actually make the event happen? It's like, no, we can we can help do that. It's just a matter of getting your colleagues together, you know, getting PAs together. Even, like I said, it doesn't have to be all PAs. It can be a fun event. And anybody who's interested in healthcare, anybody's interested in, in access to care, uh, you know, they can get an event together and we can, we can do it and just, you know, hopefully raise a lot of money and have fun. So what's next for the PAC? What, what do you got on the horizon? So we're, uh, like I said, we're kind of getting towards the end of our, you know, leadership year. Uh, it, when session is in session, there are no donations. You, you're not allowed to donate to anyone while they're in session because that can be looked on as buying a boat, per se. <laughs> uh, we certainly wouldn't ever do that. Uh, you can't do that. So one session ends. In June, again, you can start donating, I want to say, like June 29th or something, you know, a month after session ends. So our last meeting, we'll probably be talking to the strategy about the next, you know, set of donations and then getting prepared actually for our September meeting and the event that we're going to do there and and hoping to get one or two local events or fundraisers, fun events, you know, before that, you know, so that's, that's sort of the direction we're heading, making sure that we're, you know, always aware that our members are, are important and that we are fiduciaries to them too, right? I mean, so making sure that whatever their vision is, that it's heard too, because sometimes they'll have a vision that maybe we didn't hear about the direction they want the, our legislative affairs committee to go in. And so that's also important to communicate. Would it be possible to maybe get kind of an update on where we are with uh, with some of the bills or so forth that we're kind of focusing on? Sure. So as we speak, uh, I am preparing to attend the hearing on Monday. There's a hearing on Monday 
for the practice management bill. And so um, I happen to be the, the team lead on that bill. There's a lot of good team members that have helped that bill. And, and basically it is for PAs that own part of a practice. Right now, PAs can own 49% and they can't make any management decisions in that practice. The law says that you can own 49%, but you can't serve on the board. You can't make any decisions. And that seems a little bit counter to being an owner of a practice. So. So that hearing is actually going to be in the public house committee on Monday. And so that's a good news because it's getting towards the end of session uh, in May, May 29th. And if you don't get your bill heard in a hearing in the next like week or two, it's probably not going to get heard. So that one is about to be heard. So that's good. And hopefully it will be a, a positive thing. And we couldn't get moving on that. So that bill number... I'm going to say that's HB 2882. If people want to look it up or, you know, support it. The TAPA will put out a big blast about how to support it and how to to contact the public health committee members and such. So there's that. So that one's moving. So that, thank goodness, that's moving. Schedule two is probably not going to move anywhere, unfortunately, this session for whatever reason, uh, even though the last three sessions it has passed out of the House unanimously, it kind of got stuck in committee for, again, there was a lot of uh, talk about overprescribing and unsafe prescribing, which is not true at all, but it got the attention, I guess, of the members of the committee. And so that one's kind of, I think, probably not going to go anywhere, unfortunately. The compact bill, uh, we're waiting, hopefully, for it to get into the House floor to be voted on because it did get voted out of the committee and it's waiting to be put on calendars to get on the House floor. Again, why it's important to know members of calendars and members of people to try and talk to them and say, hey, let's let's get this bill voted on in the House. So there's that one. And then the independent or I guess self-governing PA board, I should say, uh, that one's kind of, it hasn't really gotten a, a hearing at all. So we're kind of waiting on that. We, you know, that one may not, may not move, but but at least we introduced it and hopefully to get, you know, get some traction on another session. But it's busy, right? There's a lot, a lot of bills and I'd love to think that ours were the most important, but <laughs> but I, but unfortunately, I don't think, you know, there, there are a lot to, for them to go over. I, I saw that email recently from TAPA about the bill that noted that individuals that I think didn't get matched or something like that, doctors could apply. That one got killed, didn't it? Yes, yes. That bill, oh, uh, yeah. yeah, that bill was, uh, again, an example of trying to sort of carry over into the PA profession when you're not even a PA. It's like you want to have it both ways. So PAs, uh, quote unquote, aren't qualified enough, but but if we don't do this, then we can be a PA. It's like, well, now you want to be a PA, right? So it was really actually kind of ridiculous. But thankfully, the representative understood and and our lobby team went to them and lobbied them and and educated them about how you become a PA and why that would not be a good idea. And he actually pulled the whole thing all together. We, you know, we were, we were going to be okay with taking us out of the bill and letting them sort it out because that's their own profession and whatever they want to do. However, he pulled the whole thing and he was just going to co-sponsor another bill with uh, Representative Oliverson that says something about graduate physicians, but it doesn't mention PAs at all. So, Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. (laughs) If you get anything out of this conversation, anything at all, that's why you support the PAC, that right right. there. So if, if you're listening to this and you're like, what are they talking about? You need to Google it. I think amongst our PA friends, we can agree that that was something that needed to be stopped and yeah. and that was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the thought of having a doctor who can't match to residency and can't pass their last, uh, you know, the USMLE test and they can do it for five years and then now all of a sudden they can call themselves a PA is absolutely not in line with what a PA is. We have to pass our boards 
to get certified and licensed. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And also thank you to the representative for understanding. Yeah, that was Representative Shaheen. And he's re- he was very reasonable. Now, he, he was very reasonable. I think, you know, sometimes they get some other group that's telling them you know, some things that are important to them. They don't mean to do harm sometimes, but as long as they can see like, oh, this is why this would be. And he was very reasonable and he, yeah, and he pulled it. So. And I joke about it, but that's the nature of the situation. So yeah. is there anything I haven't asked that you would want me to ask or anything else that you would like to tell all the DAs that might be listening? No, I think I think we've, we've covered a fantastic job of, of just kind of helping people understand how important the PAC is and and why you know we come to our decisions and, and why it's important. Just no matter who you maybe have quote, voted for or not, that our vote is for PAs and our vote is for patient access. And that's really what's important. So mm-hmm. um, it, it should reflect on TABA and, and the TABA PAG that we're really just trying to advance our profession. Yeah, I totally get that. Again, going to the Hill this year and looking at what we were going up there to discuss with our representatives, it's clearly in line with our profession. I get it. Eva, thanks again for joining us. And thanks to everyone for listening to TAPA Talks. Join us each month as we take a look at the professional lives of those that focus on improving the health of all Texans. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the Texas Academy of PAs, be sure to visit us online at tapa.org. See you next time.